Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Unlocked Athlete. I'm David Ventry. And I'm Billy Neal. Our goal is to bring you an inspiring discussion filled with mental performance tools and insights to take your game and life to the next level. As mental performance coaches, we have a passion to fill in the missing link for athletes. Thanks for hanging with us today and let the unlocking of the minds begin. Today we have Mike Idella. Uh, first of all, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Billy and David. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. Likewise, awesome. likewise. So if you can, just tell us a little bit about who who is Mike? Who is Mike? Man, um, I'm an athlete. I'm a coach. I am a partner. I'm a brother, uh, a son, um, community member. There's a little, little bit of things about me. I dip into those buckets more or less. Yeah, it looks like you check off a lot of a lot of boxes, man. We were, well, first of all, we were connected to you through through Eric, which um, Eric's an amazing guy. So when he recommended you, we're like, we got to talk with Mike and and uh, yeah, and see what he's all about. I mean, when we look at your like your social, for example, we saw the you just talking about the the coaching, but also at the intersection, you said of um, science, strength, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So so we're we're big on that, you know, that mental, but also that spiritual side as well um maybe we can start there man like what what does that mean when someone sees that like what does that mean what do they get with you um on that side when you say spirit yeah thanks so much for asking that question i think it's a conversation that doesn't happen enough um the spirit is connected with something larger than yourself and so i take a very holistic approach to my training looking at all different facets of what makes an individual the individual that that they are um their physical health which is you know, their training, their recovery, their nutrition, uh, sleep, all those to hydration, Um, their social aspects, so how well they connect with other people, the environment that they're in, as well as their intellectual health, are they learning new things, mentally stimulating themselves, Um, and then a spiritual aspect, so feeling connected to something greater, it could be religious, it could be not religious, Um, a lot of the spiritual and soulful work that that I do um, is a very nature-based, and so it's connecting to larger earth community in that fashion um, when you're asking yourself some, some deeper introspective questions. Yeah, when you I'll say, say yeah, when you say like uh, connected to the earth, like, can you kind of walk me through that? Because like I instantly think of of grounding, which I've gotten into and like kind of studied this year. But like, can you like just give us a more detailed uh, approach of what, like what that is exactly? Yeah, totally. It's a it's a big question. Um, I like to equate a lot of sure. things to athletics, so I'm happy to be yeah. with athletes here. And so yeah. it'd be like asking, you know, tell me about all types of strength training or all types of exercising. And so it's going to look different for everyone kind of based on their goals and what they want to do. But um, at the end of the day, I feel, especially in society now, we're all wanting to be um, who we truly are and to be as honest with ourselves um, about what we want as possible. And there's so many external stimuluses coming in, um, you know, telling us ways that we should should be living. And so uh, I use nature as an as a sanctuary of honesty, because when you're out in nature, you know, a tree is never going to lie to you. The grass isn't going to lie. Animals aren't going to lie. It's the most honest and truthful place out there. And so when I'm looking for my own truth, I go into you know, that temple of truth and um, ask myself some of those deeper questions. And so it can look like the more connected to the nature, the better. Um, And so obviously without electronics, without shoes, you know, if you're able to plug into the earth and grounding, like the practice you mentioned, 
um, even just observation. I'll have some clients, you know, go out into space and find me the most beautiful piece of grass that they can find. And it sounds so weird when you talk about it now, like what's the ROI on the best blade of grass? But, you know, you spend <laughs> 30 minutes kind of like sitting down, you know, so five minutes or, you know, seven minutes looking forward in that little space and just connecting to why you find this blade of grass more interesting than this other one. And then turning to the east and looking there and then south and west. And you'll start to develop um, a slower pace with yourself, which helps you develop more attention to yourself and, you know, the larger community. And so using nature as a way to do that. That's really, really cool. No, I love yeah. that. Like what, one of the things that like, it, I don't know, it just comes up for me when just starting to talk with you, Mike, and you started to like, like touch on it within what you were just saying is like authenticity. So like, how, how does that show up for you on a day-to-day -day basis? And also with who you work with, like how, how big is that? It's, it's the first thing. It's huge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> personal ownership, taking ownership over the life that you want to have, understanding, you know, some things that may have been uh, like clouding your vision in the, in the past of uh, that could lead to a lot of like distraction or lack of clarity. And so I work with a lot of clients. The first step is like getting really clear on their values and the type of individual that they want to be. And I use like a deathbed um, values analogy, kind of like a memento mori style where we yeah. look at, okay, oh, yeah. on your deathbed, you know, what are the, what's the life that you'd be really proud that you've lived and what are the activities that you're doing? Cause it's hard to just kind of like rattle off, you know, I want to be honest. I want to be loving. I want to be caring. Like, but how does that actually show up in an actionable way? And so they don't, that's what I love about coaching is taking those concepts and they're putting, applying them and doing that through the activities that individuals spend their time doing. And so if you have things like health and wellness, quality time, my friends and family, impact, learning, you know, flow states are all, um, all experiences. And then you overlay that with your current schedule and you'll see, okay, where are some gaps um, with how I'm spending my most valuable asset with my, which is my time. And then you know, maybe it helps me understand why I'm feeling a lack of confidence or, or ownership or clarity with the life that I'm currently living. And what are the steps I can do to then, uh, you know, move towards that direction? And, and that's a lot of like the, the exercises that I'll, I'll do with individuals as a coach. I really like that. Um, I picked up uh, just kind of a daily journaling practice earlier this year. And it's like identities, you know, virtues, behaviors. So like I'll write out in like the three areas of my life, um, you know, energy, work and love, like what identity I want to have, like what mm -hmm. virtues do I need to have? And then what actions that I can take within that. And it's been really eye opening for me, not just because like, obviously you set the standard of like what I need to do on a daily basis, but it also helped me to measure and see, well, but, well that's where you want to be. This is where you are right now. Right. So. I think that that's really, really important. I love that. Um, love that you do that. Yeah. We were just talking about, that. yeah, we were, so me and Billy were just talking the other day about, um, I think the, the word I used for the sentence was, was leaving it on the field. I was telling him about this, this speech I, I was part, I, I heard that was for a team I was on as a kid and it stuck with me for in my entire life. And it was that we were the coach had told us, say, you know, leave it on the field. And we were just going deeper into that. It was like, if, if you truly are able to leave everything out there, then you have nothing to regret. 
and that's just like on a say say a, a game basis. But when you look at it from a life uh, viewpoint, um, I think a lot of people probably wrestle with that. And, and when you get like towards the end, how you were saying the momentum worry, I, I love that. Um, I don't know. Can we maybe go a little deeper into that, man? Like as far like what what do you see? Like what's the best way to approach like not you know trying to lead everything on the field? Yeah, I mean, I like looking at it as like what would it what would happen if you won? Like, what is the best case scenario of your life and being inspired by how that, you know, feels somatically, like, how does it really feel in your body, not just how you think it's going to feel from other people observing you. And there's a, I used to do a little substitute teaching, maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, and the kids would make fun of other kids who were trying really hard, and they call them a try hard. Yeah, try hard, yeah. And, you know, it's... um. It's difficult because we'll have like a crab bucket kind of syndrome. Whereas <clears throat> the analogies, if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, one crab starts to crawl out, the other crabs pull it back down because they don't yeah. want to be different than them and kind of shed light on some insecurities that they have. And so I think we really we need to encourage more people. Like encouragement over competition is a phrase I have a lot because when we're really encouraging ourselves, our partners, our friends to grow into whatever version they want to be then it reflects back and allows us to do that same thing. Man, that's, that's big. I, Cause I, so we talk about this all the time too. It's like when we introduce, you know, mental performance of any sort to, to someone, it almost feels like it kind of has that similar like vibe to it of where it's like, it's kind of out there maybe a little bit. I know it's becoming more normal, but almost so where it's not, maybe not cool to, to meditate or maybe it's not cool to, to, yeah. to, to do these other things. And, we were really trying to figure out how do we make this stick with someone? Like if, if they come across it, instead of just writing it off and not sticking with it, because we, we understand the power of it. Like, how do we get them to take it on and not be influenced by others? Um, and I know I'm just making a statement there. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but we, we, we've been exploring this. It's like, how do we make it okay? Cool. Mm -hmm. Or just not to be influenced by others in, in that area. I think people have to have a visceral experience of feeling something. And that can be difficult in the mindset space because you, you can't see someone growing their mindset, that you can mm -hmm. see them growing their muscles, you can see them growing their fitness. It's, it's easy to track. It's easy, easy to track in like um, in, individually in fitness, but it's hard in the mindset space. And so I think I encourage people to you know, bring others on and the things that you're improving on. And you'll really learn who's act, who wants to support you and who wants to support the version that they're comfortable with of you, which is a tough pill to swallow, but is also so much more freeing when you can, you know, take down those expectations that you may be having of how other people will love you. And then surrounding yourself with people who really want to love you or support you on the things that the performmental performance you're, you know, pushing yourself towards. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to. I'd love for you to talk a little bit, Mike, about the men that you work with, right? Um, especially like, say, you know, what what are some of their challenges? Um, what do you help them work through? I, I mean, I, I know that every every one of us is is unique, and you know, we have our own specific you know dharma goals, whatever. But we also have our own individual challenges that have you know, kept us from reaching our true potential. So if you could kind of just speak to that, because I think that this is something, I love that you work with men and like help men in, in this arena, um, because a lot of times, like David was saying, you know, as we start to do something that's a little bit out there, and especially as, as a man, you might get pushback or, 
you know, depending on your friend group or even family members, right? They might try and just be like, man, what are you doing with that? Like, just toughen up, right? I think that's kind of a mantra. Um, so if you could just kind of speak to, you know, the men that you work with and, you know, how you help them, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, one of the first things that's required for the question that you asked is vulnerability. So it's, you know, talking about that concept with men and asking them when have they been vulnerable in their life? How did it work? How did it serve them? Um, where could they be more vulnerable? Where do they really want to be vulnerable? And, and seeing the value in that. Um, and then once they see the value and they can start taking small steps by expressing themselves in that way, they you often gain a lot of positive feedback. Um, it's oftentimes when you're trying to project your your things onto other people that then they have resistance. So if it's mm-hmm. like, I'm meditating now, I'm working with the coach, I got all my shit together, what's wrong with you? Then people are gonna be like, uh, dude, just toughen up. Mm-hmm. And so you have to yeah, share, yeah. you gotta share vulnerably and, and put yourself out on the table and have a like, you know, more of a heart to heart kind of a way about it um, with someone else. I mean, it's, that's hard to have individually with ourselves, but you know, that's something that people can improve in, and guys want to improve that really quick. So a lot of the guys I work with are very driven in their job. They focused a ton on make, being successful in the ways that society builds success, like money, homes, investments, et cetera. But they feel like they've lived a lot of the shoulds. Um, I should have this job. I should have this car. I should have this family. I should have these friends. And it's not usually what they really truly want or desire. And they don't know how to close that gap. And they're frustrated because they feel overwhelmed by all these responsibilities that aren't truly aligned with what they believe would allow them to feel the life that they want to feel or live. That's you're awesome. bringing out you're showing that them that the vulnerability is a ultimately a strength 100 percent. yeah and like sports guys are so vulnerable all the time it's just they don't think about it in that way like every time you step up to the plate for like a baseball game that's really vulnerable you're trying like if you strike out you got to walk back to the dugout and then you have to work <laughs> on improving something you have to face your teammates you know, and the higher the stakes, the more vulnerability it requires. Um, and so it's like that same analogy in a partnership. Say you're wanting to share something with your significant other. Um, you got to step up to the plate and you might strike out, but you might hit a home run. And the more you practice vulnerability and the more you gain feedback on it, and the more you maybe work with a hitting coach or an emotional coach, you're going to have more success um, every time you step up to that plate. Yeah, man, yeah. that's that, that that's huge. That's like we we use this, and it's like like you say, the most basic level of vulnerability, at least on a specific athletic side, is being willing to have that call it a temporary defeat. That's at the, the very basic level. It's like if you're gonna go for it, you have to be willing to have to fail. Um it can't stop you, it shouldn't stop you, but again, it's just that's the most basic level. Um yeah, man, that, that's powerful. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about with my coaching, getting people into flow states. Um, I know that Eric talks a lot about flow states as well. Yeah, and, yeah. <clears throat> uh, We've done some work together around that concept. I really like diving into the science of the positive psychology and what are the aspects that uh, can be applicable to all different areas of people's lives. And one of the easiest um, ways to understand flow is like the challenge and skills balance. 
And so if you have on one axis of a graph is the challenge and the other is your skill, you want to <clears throat> make the challenge hard enough that it requires most of your skill so that you can be in that state of flow where you're completely dialed in and focused on that task. And we oftentimes think of that in sports. You know, if I went up to bat against a major league, you know, uh, pitcher, uh, that's too much challenge for my skill. So I'm become anxious and then probably not going to want to step up to the plate. If I go to hit a T play in a five-year-old T-ball game, that's the opposite. I'm going to be bored. Yep. And so if I find that like that perfect challenge, then I'm engaged, <clears throat> then I'm able to grow. And it's just like strength training, like just progressively overloading my, my heart, my mind in a way that can produce the results I want down the line. Um, and so get into those flow states. Again, it's easy to, to think about it through sports, but I love talking about it with people through like their conversations with their kids or their friendships or their partner, the things that um, I think are lead to a meaningful life. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually, David and I were literally just talking about this yesterday <laughs> about flow state and how um, a lot, some people think that it's like a myth or untouchable or like it just is a freak occurrence where you just like, quote unquote, get into the zone. Um, and we think opposite of that. We think that it is something that can be trained. It is something that you can find and like get into a groove and get into the flow. Um, at will and on demand. So I know that you had, you know, an event back in January, the mastering your uh, flow state for peak performance. Can mm -hmm. you kind of walk through like what that event was? A, and then to kind of piggyback off of that, if you could kind of touch on just, you know, how to get into flow state for like the athletes that'll be watching this and, and listening to it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm 100% on board with you guys. You can manipulate your schedule, your own personal biology to surf the biorhythms of flow throughout your day. And it's going to be different for everyone. And so um, the easiest way for athletes to have something now they can take home is to think about <clears throat> if they never to think about what, what chronotype is their energy level. And so Dan Pink wrote the book When, which is like the scientific yeah. the scientific secrets of top perfect timing. And so yep. he looks at, you know, are you a morning person, like a mid-morning person or an evening person? And they, you figure that out based on if you didn't have any plans or any obligations um, the next day, what time would you go to sleep? What time would you actually wake up? And then what time is in the middle? And so if you're, I think it's like 3.30 or earlier, you're in the lark category. If it's 3.30 to 5.30, you're in the third bird. And then 5.30 or later, you're an owl. And so... Yeah. That's going to be the time when you're most cognitively on and when you can focus the best on, you know, deep mental work. Um, and also for athletics, you're going to be more, more firing with your energy then as well. Sure. And so <clears throat> a lot of people, uh, most people are in the morning time. And so a lot of my clients will schedule their workouts like first thing in the morning or like mid morning when they're feeling the best and most motivated to do that. But then their work or maybe things that are going to deeply impact their life greater than their workout um, are impacted later on in the day because they don't have as much energy. And so um, for athletes to think about when's the most ideal time for them to train. And then if they're a professional athlete, pick that time and train as much as you can at that specific time. And if you're not a professional athlete, then you have to judge, you know, what are my values here? What are my priorities with how I'm spending my sure. most valuable life asset of time? That's great. 
Yeah, can you, can you, I love that and like really touching on, you know, create, creating those like idiosyncratic rhythms throughout the day where you're 100% on and then, you know, you take some time completely off. Um, my wife had walked me through, um, she had found some coaching on her, on her end. And basically like men have a 24 hour cycle. Like we think of women having their cycle, but guys have a 24 hour cycle as well. Um, and so like, I've tried to manipulate my day to kind of match that where I'm most creative, which is in the morning when I get up, um, right Mm -hmm. after I do some meditation and stuff like that. So I love to hear that. Um, can you kind of just share with us a little bit about your event that, that you had Mm -hmm. and and talk about that and like what that was? Yeah. So it was a lot of what we're talking about now, helping people define what flow state is, learn what times of the day are best best for them to apply that work. And then what are some different aspects that will block flow, um, which would be like burnout, overwhelm, distraction, stress, uh, lack of clarity, lack of time, uh, and then come up with a plan on their own to, to work on that. And a lot of people have the right, like they know the things that they need to do. They just need the push to go ahead and do those things. And of course, some people have have, um, questions on it, but then being able to make a concrete plan, meet up with someone else from the workshop, you know, exchange phone numbers, schedule a time to talk the next week, check in on how they apply their plan, gain some like community ownership. Um, That's that was one part. And then also understanding the flow cycle, which is when can you get into flow how can you get out of flow? And then how can you recover from flow to be able to be back into it in an effective way? Um, a lot of this is from work that I studied um, with Stephen Kotler, um, who wrote the yep. book, Art of Impossible. And so if you yep. want to learn more about this, you can read that book. It's great. And yep. um, being able to get, <clears throat> excuse me, like having people understand when, um, what are the things, what are the activities that they can do to be able to get into that flow state? And then a large part that, um, most of my clients and a lot of people in this country misses the recovery aspect. And so they just think <laughs> I can just I can just peg myself all day and like peak performance, peak performance, peak performance, never recover. <laughs> and then they'll burn out, they'll lack motivation to come back to the work the following day. Um, and they they're literally, yeah, burn out. Mike, you started you, you touched on it a little bit, but like so if someone's introduced to the work, which they have been with you. Um, what do you do? Like, so as far as getting them, obviously you have them like meet with someone else from the group, basically like a, an accountability partner is what it, it sounds like. But what other things are you doing to get someone to actually stay on like the plan? If they really want to start to, you know, implement these things, what other things are you doing? Like we do look at routines um, and habits with, with our athletes, but is that like, just maybe elaborate a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the workshop that you guys are referencing is a, um, a 90 minute workshop where these people are just, I'm trying to help get them set up to be able to continue going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I lead some men's groups, four or five of those a year. Uh, those are six weeks long. And in those groups, I'll touch on various topics like flow, ownership, gratitude, sleep. There's 25 different topics I'll go over. And then I have an app with exercises for those topics with ways that guys can take this exercise, apply it to their life, and then share on the next call how it went, share during the week how it went, help hold each other accountable and get those reps in that it takes to allow things to really stick um, into their life. Right. Because it's like, I brought this up the other day with Billy. It's like, okay, well, say you go to a seminar, you go to like an event like yours, and it's fantastic. You get pumped up your energy's high with it yeah and then when that ends 
I mean, what's the, what's the percentage? It's super high of people that just don't stick with it. They just fall off. So um, anyway, I was curious to see what you do with them. Because even even after, like, say, they, they're in the pro, say it's the, the longer program, um, are you finding that there's a high success rate with them sticking with it? I would say so. I mean, of course, people will struggle because it's a six-week versus you know, 40 years of, you know, operating in a certain way, but they need to have a firsthand experience of how it feels. And so they're investing into the group. And so they're investing their time and their money into learning these things. They're applying it. They're seeing, wow, I felt so much better. I was so much more productive. My relationship improved. Um, I had so much more clarity and I have a framework for how to make that happen. Now, yeah, it might kind yeah. of steer back another way, but I remember, oh, I remember that group I was in. Let me go back to that information and see how I can get it back. And yeah. so um, a lot of them are on, um, you know, group chats with guys from their group from years ago. And so they have continuing groups that I encourage them to, to continue to check in with each other, you know, monthly or bi-monthly to, you know, just have a space with other men that are doing similar types of work. So it takes out that friction point of the, man, you're weird. Why are you talking to me about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But the, going back to what you're saying, we were talking about earlier is finding that community, the one that's going to lift you up, right? Getting away from the guys that might like the crabs in a bucket, try to find mm-hmm. the ones that will continue to, to lift you. You like use the example of like something that's been, you know, for, you have 40 years of something that's just, you know, programmed in. We go into this all the time as far as like, what is that program that's running and how do we break it with these, these new habits that you want? Mm-hmm. Um, just your take on that. Like we, you know, we talk about, we call it the paradigm, but yeah, you may have something, these habits that are programmed into your subconscious that have been there been programmed in for years. Um, right. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, those programs have really served people in a certain way for a long time. And so uh, there's a great um, author and um, uh, he's a, he's a guide, not as coach, but um, yeah. Bill Plotkin, who wrote the book soul craft and he talks about it as your loyal soldier. And this is more in a soulful type of experience, but a way that you show up with the world is that loyal soldier of like keeping you safe, keeping your programs, you know, running in that certain way. And when you want to break that, you need to retire your, lo- your loyal soldier. And you can even have a ceremony for him, hang some medals on the wall, thank him or her for the work that they've done, but they don't need yeah. to work anymore. And so now I have a place for a new soldier to be created or a new, you know, um, persona to come into the space. And uh, that's very helpful for people to recognize, like, I don't need to kill this part of myself, but to recognize it helped me, it served me, it's no longer supporting me and there's space to come in. Um, but that's difficult, especially um, for some reason, I'm thinking of an example now um, of Chris Jenkins, who is a huge defensive lineman for the New York Jets that I was fortunate enough to work with them for a few training camps. And um, he would eat just donuts all the time. Donuts, donuts, donuts. And you try talking to him about any type of nutrition. And he's like, like, donuts got me to the NFL. Donuts got me millions of dollars. I'm not getting rid of my donuts. And so I'm like, okay, that makes sense at some point. Um, but you'll see other athletes like LaDainian Tomlinson. I was 22 years old. Um, the coach was like, go teach LT how to do kettlebell swings. He was lasered in, focused on me, like really wanting to learn, wanting to push himself, seeing what he could get from that. And so having that attention to detail and the lack of distractions, I think is what makes some people or players you know, a lot better than others and definitely on the field, but also off the field with how they feel about their life. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah, there's a story about Derrick Rose whenever he came to Memphis. Like, John Calipari was basically like, yeah, he ate um, jelly beans and, like, gummy bears. Like, mm-hmm. that was his diet, <laughs> right? And, like, you look at somebody like that, but, like, they, they're performing at a, at, a, at a peak level or at a really high level. Um, yeah, and that, that old self has served him. So I really like that concept because I, I think – especially when you start to do a lot of personal development work, you look at your old paradigm, your old self, whatever you, you want to say. And like, we almost want to crucify that like in a negative way, but you're right. It has served us to a point. It's brought us to this point. Right. And mm-hmm. kind of letting that go and passing it on and having that ceremony is like kind of a beautiful thing. So I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's, um, the ceremony aspect is really powerful. Like we'll have big games or big events in sports. And in some of our mental performance work, there's no game. There's no like peak thing to happen. And that's where ceremonies or rituals can come in. Um, when I'm a big fan of our like wilderness quests or vision quests, where you spend time practicing some of these ceremonies, letting something really hit deep for you so that it can create change. Like change is only going to come from the adaptation and the adaptation is usually really uncomfortable. And so we have to kind of gain some friction in there to allow ourselves to create that change. Yeah. That's awesome. What you like, we talk about these moments where it's like, you're, you're taking maybe a step back to, to go deeper into certain areas. Like, so say you're just, you're grinding, you know, say you're going for whatever it is. Like what, where do you see that implementation implementation take place? Like with who you work with and even yourself, like, how do you work that out? When are, when are the times that you're going to maybe reflect or go deeper or do ceremonies or things like that? It depends on the ceremony, but every day I have those type of reflection times. And then I have deeper reflection times monthly and then even deeper ones quarterly and then even deeper one yearly. And so <clears throat> having a specific space, um, I'll call it like a sit spot or a Zen den, an area in my home or outside in nature that I can come back to. And it's a completely different place. And so when I am in that place and I'm around that setting, I can it's easier for me to drop into either my heart or my mind or what is it that I truly deeply want. I could kind of remove some of the fluff or distraction, um, which is similar. I used to compete Olympic weightlifting. And when I step up onto the platform, I'm there to do one thing. And so I never walk across the platform if I'm not going to lift. I'll never just like hang out there if I'm not lifting. And so over time, I teach myself I'm at the platform, I'm focused, I'm intentional, and bam, I'll do my lift. And so it's helpful to have those, those places either in your home or definitely outside in nature as well. I did you, with, with the lifting, uh, Mike, like, did you, um, assume that maybe came first before, you know, the other pieces came together for you. I, I could be wrong though. Maybe it was always there, but is that like, am I correct in saying that was it first the lifting and then you found the sort of the spirit and the other sides of it? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I um, I was fortunate enough to work with an Olympic lifting coach in high school, my senior year of high school, and he taught me a lot of this stuff, kind of like a Mr. Miyagi type of style, where the bar was treated like a sword, like you, it's on the wall, you place it down, you never kick it, you never clean this, the chalk off it, there was no music in the gym, it was in his little basement dungeon area, sat on a you know metal chair, and then you go lift, hit your lift, listen to feedback, go down, sit down, think about it, and it, it taught me that attention to detail area. And I, I brought that over into my athletics and then just different aspects of my life. But after a while, especially when I was working with athletes, um, 
I used to work out an athlete's performance, which is Exos doing like NFL prep combine work. Um, and I yeah. love the conversations from the field house to the weight room. So normally we do, you know, our running stuff, our forties, our starts, you know, lateral stuff first, and then walk into the weight room. And that's when athletes start to open up a little bit more because they just ran. They're kind of like, <clears throat> they're a little bit more receptive to different types of conversation. And so <clears throat> they might be able to share something about a relationship or a partnership or a doubt they have or a fear. And I've, I found myself gravitating to those. And so that's when I really doubled down on more holistic health and wellness. And uh, yeah, went on just learning various modalities, um, just like a personal trainer might learn like kettlebell work or CrossFit or lifting or powerlifting, and then kind of pull some of these in towards yeah. How they work with someone that's exactly what i do in the performance coaching field is used to teach yoga meditations <clears throat> breath works flow all those types of things and see you know what is the what, what's going to help people the most bang for their buck moving towards the life that they want to live yeah. if you were to if you were to have somebody that just was you know came across your instagram or whatever and you guys bumped into each other on the street and they asked you kind of like Andrew Huberman style, like, Hey, what's the most optimal, like routine that I could set for myself? Like in your opinion, just like, what do you feel like that would be? Sleep. Pretty much. Not, it's going to be very hard if you're not sleeping well, <clears throat> sure. I, hydrating, like I, there's a basic stuff. It's the stuff that's not sexy right. things. Sleep, yeah. spend time out <laughs> in nature, drink a lot of water. A gratitude practice is one that <clears throat> is so powerful. There's a cool study done by the VIA Institute of Character. Yeah. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar yep. with it. Yeah. And so oh, yeah. The, the highest overall level of well-being that you can achieve is like through gratitude, more than love, yeah. hope, courage, honor. And so that's one that is difficult for people who don't have that type of practice because it can, especially for athletes, it can kind of feel like soft or it can feel like slow or like, why do I have to do this gratitude thing? But once they do it and are held accountable to it, they feel the benefits of it because no one ever feels bad after writing down things they're, they're grateful for. And no one ever feels bad after writing a letter and giving it to someone or receiving a letter, hearing how grateful they are. And so um, that's a very you know simple practice that... Um, I like one called the four W's where you write down what went well and why, and the why yeah. helps you take the personal ownership over the positive things that are occurring in your life. That's, that's so good. And that VIA is, is where I actually got that, you know, identities, virtues, behaviors. I did the test and like got my top five and like nice. really focused on that and like trying to implement those into my life. So, yeah. I, and that's kind of where I was asking where, I, where I wanted to go with that is like, what do you feel like is the X factor? Like, you know, because yeah, I mean, if you look at any hear from anybody, they're gonna say, well, yeah, first place, like, how much are you sleeping? Like, are you drinking water? Like, are you getting a ton of sugar in? Like, stop that. What do you feel like? Do you feel like gratitude is that X factor that would kind of no. go? No. Yeah. Okay. No. I mean, it's definitely an X factor, but it can be um, an addition to an already overwhelming life. And so, before mm. we think about adding anything onto the plate, we need to eliminate the things that we don't care about so that we can create more space for these things to land. Otherwise I'm on social media or I'm reading a book or listening to this podcast. It's like, fuck, I do all these things Mike's telling me to do. I'm already too overwhelmed as it is. And so the number one thing is eliminate the stuff that you don't really care about. And it created so much more mental clarity. Like 
a lot of these things will be social media, TV, things that when you're on sure. your deathbed and you're looking back, you're not going to be like, oh man, I wish I watched that eighth season of whatever show versus like, I wish I played outside with my son more. Yeah. Most people are going to choose the second option. Or I wish I took better care of my health now that I don't have it as much. And so using your schedule and getting really strict on how you're scheduling your day can be very helpful in and removing some of those things because it's hard to just get rid of your phone. I mean, I have this phone right here. This is a this is a light phone. Uh, it's like a, basically yeah. a dumb phone. It just does basic calls, texts, and navigation. And so I also have a smartphone. I am on social media, but it's a tool that I'll use to help get across a message that when I'm on my deathbed, I'm proud that I'm trying to get across this message. And so um, the, eliminating some of those things I think is so, so much more powerful um, than people realize. Like that mental just space. adding a bunch of shit. Yeah. Addition by subtraction. Definitely. That's, That's like great... elimination before systemization, delegation, optimization. Got eliminate first. Love that. That's a, a great point though. Seriously, because if they're already overwhelmed and you're adding one more thing to their plate. They can't, they don't care about yeah. the best warm up, the best lift. They're already like, um, taking in so much and so i i think the the huge superpower especially you know in the next <clears throat> century or so is going to be how can i not even century like years like how can i create a boundary around myself so that i can maintain focus on what i really care about because everything i mean the consumerism society is based on telling me what I should care about, what I should be doing, what is a successful life. And as a coach, I don't know what a successful life is for you, but I can help sure. you with different exercises that are going to help define it for you. And I can help ask more questions to gain more clarity that for you and then set up system that's going to be able to, you know, continue to push that train forward. Aside from the, aside from the phone, like what are some ways that you do that for yourself? I use an app called self-control um, self it's on the computer. It's super strict um, YouTube. I can sometimes want to go watch something on YouTube. And so I'll, I'll block YouTube during times that I want to be working. And so if I want to watch something on YouTube, I'll set there's a specific time of the day that I can do that at, which is a time when I'm not mentally like on fire. And so if that's something that is valuable to me at that day, I can go ahead and do it then, but otherwise I just can't get into it. And it's kind of like if I had a problem with alcohol and I keep alcohol in my home and For I just sure. tell myself, don't do it. It's, I mean, aren't like, I think social media businesses like <clears throat> have the most amount of the most profitable business in the world. Like they have the most money and resources to attack this thing right here. And so yeah. I think, you know, there's a great book by Bonnie Ware. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, the, top five regrets of the dying and mm. number one number one regret is living a life based on other people's expectations Woo. not living a life true to myself yeah. and so i think we need more people like yourselves talking about how to help combat that number one regret wow yeah that's powerful that's a powerful <laughs> ass title for a book <laughs> it is it's, it's, I, I assume yeah. Yeah, it is. It, that is just not to give away the book, but I mean, I assume that that's from talking with real people at the real end. Real people on their deathbed yeah. as a wow, nurse. Yeah, yeah that's uh, deep. 
So that's what we're all, we're all wanting to live. That's what the best life is when you're there looking back on my best life. And so I, yeah. I'd spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about that and helping people understand that kind of concept so that it can help apply the actions now. Cause otherwise it's like, it's hard to hit that perspective change. It's hard to really think yeah. about it in that way. Cause it's like, Oh, what's a big deal? I have a cheeseburger. Well, I'll have it again. Yeah. Big, uh, yeah. Huge concept. But over time, those things add up and by helping people get like have that visceral feeling of like what it really feels like to sit with a friend and actually share. And man, I'm getting fired up. It's, it's those moments where you're like, you're nervous about sharing something that no one else knows. Yeah. You're just in your head, you're sitting at lunch <laughs> with your buddy and you're like, I want to cheat on my wife. And you're like, I don't know how to talk about this, but you're like, Hey man, can I just share something with you? I don't, want to cheat on my wife like what the is wrong with me like I don't want to do it but I'm getting this weird urge and that you know if you have the opportunity to have that conversation and to allow your buddy to kind of work with you of like hey man well what aren't you getting well, how could you ask for that differently how could you improve those things and now all of a sudden you're allowing that support to come in but no one is going to know if you have that conversation or not except you and that is like the definition of self-love mm. That's really good. Let that sink in. I, I love, I love some of your approaches to to coaching. The fact that you know you don't take a cookie cutter approach, and that you've mentioned multiple times that like everybody is unique. And I feel like that's one of the pitfalls in coaching in general of what you see is like follow this system. Like we laid it out. Do this, this, this on week one, week two, week three, all the way through week twelve, and it's like and your life will be different. And from my experience, man, that's just not the case so to hear you say that you you know i can't really help somebody if i don't know what their individual you know challenges or goal is 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 really refreshing so i i appreciate that yeah yeah i can't i mean i'm a great coach and a terrible businessman yeah because i don't I, i'm not gonna sell out in that kind of way of like everyone has to do these things and then you'll, yeah it'll be great i mean they're it is individual. And that's what makes the most impact, not only for clients, but for myself. Like, I mean, I'm, I selfishly want to really help people because I love that. I love doing that. And um, the people that really want to be helped and allow themselves to really help themselves, because I can't necessarily, I, I mean, I can't right. do it for them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Awesome. Do so you create like, you, about, oh, sorry, Billy, go ahead. Sorry, David, go ahead. Nope, no, I just, you know, just in regard, just with, I'm curious, because when you do work with someone like, say, I, I've got a buddy that always said, don't fall in love with, with someone's potential, because you can't force them to, to change or, or get to where you're trying to get them to go. Like, do you have a line of where it's like, well, I, I can't work with this person because of, you know, they're not doing these things or do, where, where's your line or do you have one? Yeah, uh, I haven't, I haven't had that come up. I'll work with a lot of people that have a fixed mindset. Well, they'll come in and say, this is just the way ideals are. You know, we just don't, we're just not successful. It's just the way it is. Nah. And so helping them change that to a growth mindset is a first step, like another first step, right? That is yeah. probably the first step because without mm -hmm. that, none of the other stuff is going to, they can't believe that they can make change. And so they're just going to be fighting against themselves. And so, and you know, it, but it takes work to change that. It's like manual work. Because um, mm -hmm. every time you think in that fixed way, you got to pause, stop, re-engage your internal or external language, change it to a growth mindset, and then continue on. And it feels funky because it's like, 
That isn't something I've ever said out loud before or written down or even thought. But over time, you start to get stronger. It starts to get better. Just like if you go to the gym, you've never done squats, feels weird. After a while, your body adapts. Your mind adapts to the growth mindset. You get stronger and bam, you're on that path. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, we start, it's, I mean, we, we start with that. You have to. Start, yeah. 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 You have to. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of like... Um, a lot of coaches, you know, Billy, what you're talking about before will miss that apart. They'll just kind of throw like bright, shiny objects at people. And then For sure. it just adds more things because they're to their fixed mindset of like, I just can't do it. I don't have that, those skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Billy, go ahead. We've, we talked about, yeah, we talked about like kind of your past and like what you're doing right now. Um, I know that you have, you know, you have another men's group starting here in March. Um, kind of walk walk us through like you know you mentioned like I'm a great coach there not a great businessman that you just really want to help people and I love that that you're so heart-centered so kind of share with us like what your goals are and like the impact that you do want to make and like what that looks like for you over the next I don't know two three five years like ultimately what's kind of the end goal for you had a lot more conversations like this you know I'm motivated by what I view is a personal success to me, which is, you know, how I view, how I think and feel about my life. And that doesn't necessarily mean millions of dollars. Um, It means, can I spend time with my partner? Can I play with her six-year-old son every day at three o'clock when he comes off the bus? Can I allow myself to have the flexibility and freedom to do those things? And so that's those, that's some of my version of success. And then having conversations like this that hopefully more men hear and then share with their friends and then have conversations. Maybe it starts at the bar and then transitions to a yoga class at some point and continues to move in that way. So for me, there's so many different ways to, to get this message across. A men's group is one, one-on-one coaching is another, a book is another, a podcast is another, workshops at different local businesses is another. Um, that the creativity aspect of it is exciting for me. I love having that and and constantly thinking like what is how can I let something hit harder for people so that they're so that it hits them and then they can make that change in their life love that I love that man well David I think we're kind of at a good at a good spot to kind of transition we've got a um, we've got a like final question so to speak (laughs) that we ask everybody (laughs) and so it's basically, man, like if you could look back now and speak to your younger self, whatever that version of yourself that is, like, what would you tell that younger Mike that you, you didn't know um, to kind of help him out? What would that be? When I was 21 and younger, I was so worried all the time, worried I wasn't doing the right thing, worried I wasn't at the right job didn't have the right graduate program, didn't have the right thing. And what I would tell my younger self is listen to what it is that you honestly want to do and do that thing. Love it. It's simple, but, and I think having, what helps make that applicable is having a practice of listening to that self. And in order to listen, you need to clear the distractions away so you can hear the language louder. Um, otherwise you're just hearing so many other languages coming in and man, I feel bad for a lot of kids growing up, growing up now when they have so many, um, devices and and things that are coming into them. And so sports is fantastic because you can't like, I don't know, you can't have like 
AI in athletics, at least that I'm aware of. Um, and so it can be just a time where it's so honest, like you're wrestling, you either win or you don't you either strike out, you make the shot or you miss it. And I think that's a lot of what people love about sports is that honesty aspect. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, well said. Awesome, awesome man. Uh, uh, thank you so much, man. Oh, you, no, you go ahead. David. No, no, it's just, no, we're yeah, just saying that, man. We're just, we're, Billy's doing. We're just saying thank you, and and we also we usually like to say like what you know anyone looking for you, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, mikeadela.com. Cool, cool, awesome man, awesome brother. Yeah, Mike, thank, thank you guys so time, much, brother. Yeah, super grateful. Stay on for one second after this, Mike, if you can. I can. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys too, for the work that you're doing, coaching athletes, coaching people. Um, yeah, obviously we've been talking a lot about this. I really believe it. And if, and I hope that we can have more coaches in this world that are just supporting and encouraging everyone else. So um, from my heart to you guys, thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, my pleasure. Likewise, thank you. Man. Likewise. Goodbye everybody. Thanks again for joining the Unlocked Athlete today. If you liked what you heard and felt, please subscribe. We would love the opportunity to continue to inspire you on your athletic journey. Also, if you feel pulled to do so, please share with a fellow athlete. We can all unlock the next level together. Until next time, take care of that mind.